This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Good morning. We have in the gospel reading this morning one of the original mountaintop experiences, a moment of revelation, of epiphany, a particular and a life-altering encounter with God. Now, you may or may not have experienced your own mountaintop moment, but I think it's something that many of us strive and yearn for. We seek the opportunity to feel closer to and in deeper relationship with God. And we hear this morning this experience of Peter, John, and James as they witness Jesus' transfiguration. They see his, ex- his appearance change and his glory revealed. Peter is so taken by the experience that he asks to build dwellings on the mountaintop for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Peter somehow understands the power and the majesty of the moment. And I think he wanted to try and somehow freeze time and preserve this feeling or perhaps just make it last as long as humanly possible. After all, there's something about experiencing God and Jesus in that way that makes you want to hold on to and cling tight to that feeling, perhaps out of joy or possibly even out of fear that you might not make your way back there for a long time. And I think that's one of the problems with our understanding of mountaintop experiences and our striving for them. It defines the holy and the divine as something that's out of the ordinary and removed from our ordinary experience. We can begin to think that we have to go somewhere or we have to do something extraordinary to be in relationship with Christ. We think our prayer life has to be just right. The music has to be perfect. We can't have any distractions or things that break our our thoughts. Pick your excuse, whatever it might be. But like Peter, we can think these encounters are fleeting and fragile and tenuous. So we must protect them at all costs defend them when they happen. And by doing this, our spiritual life can start to sound like a trip across the desert with long stretches of drought and barren wasteland, then interrupted every now and then by a stop at an oasis to drink from the well and to be refreshed and refueled. But I'd ask us to reconsider what the transfiguration really means. We can think of the transfiguration and mountaintop experiences as being transformational, or we can think of them as being revelatory. The trap we can fall into is that these moments are transformational, meaning they somehow change who Jesus or God is, or they change who we are. We then have to fight to hold on to that change and to keep it alive. But if we understand these moments as revelatory, then then they are actually revealing what already exists and what is already true. The transfiguration was a revelation of Jesus' glory in relationship with God and the prophets who came before. There was nothing that needed to be protected or held on to other than this new realization that came to Peter, James, and John. It reminds me of a seminary professor I had who was asked in a class, we asked him what prayer we should use to bless the holy water that's frequently kept at the entrance to a church. And his reply might sound a little cavalier, 
But he said to us, God already blessed the water when God created it, so what do we need to do to the water? And I think he still gave us an outline of a prayer to use, but I think one of the points he was making is that the prayer does more to remind us of the blessedness of the water and of God's creation than it does to actually transform or to change the water. Again, it's more about revelation than it's about transformation. I think he might also have been reminding us students to stay humble and to remember who is really doing the work of the church, who is really doing the blessing and the creating. But the question ultimately becomes, why is it so hard for us to hold on to this revelation, not just of Jesus's glory and identity, but the revelation that we are also in relationship with God, that we too are God's beloved children. How do we become so convinced in our lives that we need to be somehow transformed or changed? Are we really bold enough to think that we can do something to God's creation, to ourselves, that would make us more desirable or more attractive to God? Revelation doesn't change who we are. It merely changes our understanding of who we are. And when we realize and accept our identity as a beloved child of God, we aren't being changed. We merely begin to live into the reality that was given to us at creation. We stop fighting our God-given identity and begin living as people who were created for relationship with God and with each other, created for love. We don't become something new. We stop denying who we were truly created to be. The planets and the stars don't have to align in just the right order. Our spiritual and our worship lives don't have to be perfect, and we don't have to find ourselves on the mountaintop under just the right conditions. We were created for relationship and for love. So remember Jesus is God's beloved son, full of God's majesty and divinity. Remember that God is calling you and seeking a deeper relationship with you. Remember that God is here in this moment and in this place and will be with you when you leave. You are God's beloved, created out of love and for relationship. We don't need to be transformed or changed. We need to accept and to live into our God-given identity as God's beloved. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.